brute force. If it doesn't work, you're just not using enough. You're listening to Software Radio, special operations military news, and straight talk with the guys in the community. Softrep.com on time on target. I don't think the audience heard what you originally said. So, you know, I was just saying I feel very sloppy because uh, I was out drinking with a couple of my army buddies yesterday and pretty hungover right now. Anyone that this audience may be familiar with? No, no, just uh, one guy I know from uh, Columbia and another guy uh, I met. He actually works for a, or used to work for a news agency, but um, both really good guys. Were you wearing any offensive T-shirts? No. <laughs> no, I wasn't. So um, I should say in studio with us for his goal for the first time in studio, Andrew, Andrew Welkow, who is really the reason that, that I'm here. Yeah, and Andrew would have me as a guest and Brandon as a guest all the time on his show, and that's you know how we met Andy and how we came to meet you. Don't so, call him Andy. That's I know you right. don't like that. That's all right. I don't, <laughs> he can get away with it. <laughs> you've said it to guests Veterans before, only. though. There's been guests before that you've said, well, don't call it, me it depends if somebody just, it, there's there's two ways of doing it. There's one who, somebody's thinking that they're, you know, we're, we're comfortable enough to say it. Then there's that condescending, oh, Andy, you know. <laughs> like your mom you know, would you, say you to know, you. You know the difference. <laughs> you know the difference when somebody's doing it to be condescending and when somebody's doing it because they're just, they, they think they've gotten into the comfort zone. I don't get mad. It's, you know. I remember I was, Senator Jim DeMint calling you, Andy. and, and see, again, like, fine. With you, it's fine. Which, by the way, whether people like his politics or not, super nice guy from when he's come on. Like, I don't think anybody could have a problem with that guy personally. Even the Daily Show. Even John Stewart said he was like the nicest person. Yeah, he really was. Um, so for those who don't know, I should at least give an introduction of who Andrew is. Andrew's the host of the Wilcow Majority on Sirius XM Patriot. Uh, you're going to be hosting your own show, Wilcow, on CRTV, yep, yep. back on TV, yep. which we'll get into. I guess the first big announcement, yeah. though, for this audience uh, that you could get into is that the SoftRep.com paywall is down, which is Woo! down for us. Yeah. Um, you know, the guys made the decision to take it down. So we were a subscription website for... I mean, we were we were open the first like what six months, eight months or something. Went to a pay subscription model, yeah, fairly quickly, very early on. And so, like the last five years or whatever, we've been a subscriber website. Um, and now that's it, the paywall is taken down. Anybody can go read anything on the website, um, so it's wide open. And you know, hopefully that helps get the word out. More and more people will be able to read. Um, you still have to be subscribed to uh, make comments on the website. Um, access some of the other functionality of, of the website. Um, the people who are existing subscribers, they're going to get, you know, like um, 
a free upgrade. They're going to become like the premium membership we have and all that. They're going to go into that automatically. And, and I don't. I hope I'm not speaking out of turn, but I believe they're going to have access to SoftRep TV as well. That's awesome. That's going to be part of the part of the deal that we're going to grandfather all the existing subscri- subscribers into. Yeah, I think with the success of Crate Club, it's allowed us to have more free content than we originally did. Because I know for a while it was like we were trying to figure out how to make the podcast profitable, and we had a paywall for that and a paywall for the website. And now it's like Crate Club has allowed us to do that. So it's all this free content. And if you really want to support the writers, I would say more than anything, subscribe to Crate Club because that's the business as a whole and, and how we're getting revenue. Yeah, I mean, it's all, nobody's really figured out this whole media thing. And it's changing so much that what's the, what's the model to use? And, you know, we're doing we were just media. We were just news. But now we're doing also products. And that's helping to pay the bills. Well, you know, it's funny. When I first went to Sirius in, in 2006, um, you know, I was just a weekend guy on WABC here in New York City, and I was full-time upstate New York WGY. And I had people say, no one's going to pay for radio. Yeah. No one's going no to pay for that. And it was funny that the people that were sure nobody would pay for radio were probably also sure that nobody would pay for television, right? And as the radio industry added more and more inventory and the commercial breaks got to six, seven minutes right, long, right. you know, when you're, when, you're at, when you're looking at a minor league subscription fee annually, when you break it out over 12 months to not have, you know, almost a half hour of your hours programming be commercials... It, you know, and, and, and the, the universe of bandwidth that it opens, you know, you find that there are people that after a, enough annoyance from, from commercials they don't want to hear, it's amazing what they're willing to pay for. Yeah. Absolutely. I mean, it's, uh, we, we were very, very fortunate, I think, that people paid to subscribe, paid to read, because like you said, no, you know, it's a joke. Yeah, but like you guys were on say, the ground floor of the military independent journalism. I would say right. you guys almost created it. Right. Yeah. In a, in a sense. Yeah. The idea that, you know, a journalist can also be a source. I mean, you're bringing these kind of personal experiences to the table. Um, I've always said that you and Brandon found a niche at like the perfect yes. time. It was when he put out the red circle. There wasn't this r- saturation of Navy SEAL books. It was kind of rare. There was Chris Kyle. There was Brandon. Not much else for modern day snipers and that type of thing. And then there was the bin Laden shooting and there was right. this explosion of interest in the special operations and community. I think we, we had a lot of articles, a lot of content that no one else had, and you know people are willing to pay for that kind of thing. I think the problem, only issue we ran into and, and have run into is being a special operations news website is that's a, that's a niche. Yes. You know, it's pretty small. It's smaller than even, say, defense. Like, we don't normally cover, like, the F-35 or, like, Navy ships, you know. So it's even – it's a niche within defense journalism. Um, so there could be some scaling issues, of course. Um, and I think that was the only real difficulty we ran into. But this will go into your TV show. One of the things that I was going to mention Sorry, my is – Oh, that's your phone. Yeah, Completely no, unprofessional. Uh, <laughs> go right ahead. This, but this uh, goes into your TV show, as uh, I can't make eye contact with Andrew here, <laughs> is, is that I feel like less and less people... You want me to get it for you? Uh, there you go. Uh, 
as, Facebook as Live. It's truly is, live. And as we've said, this is pirate there radio for. Um, no, so with your TV show, I feel like less and less people are subscribed to the major cable companies. I, I can't tell you the last time that I've, like, for an extended period of time watched, whether it's CNN, MSNBC, or Fox News. Not I get, all. Yeah, I get pretty much all of my news from alternative sources. And I think that there's, you know, for with what you're doing with CRTV, there's a conservative audience that wants to hear what you're up to, what Steven Crowder is up to, and what Michelle Malkin is reporting on, and not have to ha- have it filtered through these. You know, one of the problems, too, is, like, when you're on Fox News or CNN, which you've been on, it, you literally have two minutes there yeah. to get out whatever if you, you want. one intelligent comment, then you did a pretty good job. Well, you That's- know what's you know, I'll address this. This is the part where I'm supposed to say, well, this is because of the cord cutters. You know, when the networks complain about cord cutting, Cord, I don't believe that there's a phenomenon of cord cutting. I believe there's a phenomenon of bad programming. And yeah. that I think when you when, pe- when networks want to say that people are cutting the cords, they're not, that's their excuse for some of the stale programming. Yes. Yeah. And that in, instead of saying to their, their network higher-ups or, or their, their parent company or even their board of directors and investors that we have to get creative, they say, well, it's just a trend. People are cord-cutting. Well, I think if you're putting on good programming, people especially around. in a country with 320 million people and this this internet environment where the gatekeepers and their walls have kind of come down, that if you're putting on good programming, good programming has an audience. It doesn't matter if it's AM, FM, Sirius XM, podcasting. It doesn't matter if it's satellite cable or, or new media, Roku, or whatever it is. I think if you're doing a good program, that, that an audience has been looking for, they're gonna, they're, you, it'll, it's, a, it's a match. Yeah, I, but one thing is, if, you, if, if I have a Roku box, right, and I just want to watch Andrew Wilkow on CRTV, yeah. I can do that as opposed to paying like $100 to $200 for this big subscription when most people are watching, what, two or three channels regularly, you know? So I think that, I, I do think the cord cutting plays into that, is that people don't want to be subscribed but, but they're to cord, this giant but package. But again, they're cord cutting because... What's on the cord is not what they want. Yeah, I agree. It, I agree. It, it, there, there is that. I mean, there is also, there is also, you know, there are some people. Many people are creatures of habit that it's what's on TV, right? They turn on their television, and and that's that, that's a generational thing too, though. Because young people, they're not going to the TV. That's well, you know. Brandon said that just recently. He was saying that he took a long skiing trip with his three kids, you know, who are various age groups, and he's like, they didn't look at the TV once. They, the one thing they said is like, the Wi-Fi sucks here. Yeah, I mean, I was staying in hotels all the time when I was doing this TV show, and I, I mean, I Wait, don't think a I, TV show, an actual TV <laughs> show. And this is the funny thing about it. Yeah, I, I'm on TV, and I tell people, I'm like, I can't even watch this thing because I don't have cable television. Um, and uh, but it's funny because I didn't turn the television on. I mean, I'd rather just watch like videos on YouTube or something like that than watch television. Yeah, or watch Facebook Live. Well, uh, look, the 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 opportunities for people who have been uh, who are not the network's type, you know, this is the opportunity that if you're not the network type. Uh, for whatever that, whatever reason that is, they don't think you're pretty enough, or they don't think um, you're pretty enough. That, <laughs> we were talking about that you know, recently. That 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 whatever their standards are for sort of, I guess, television perfection. If people are looking for more than that, now I'm not saying I'm not a handsome guy because I am, <laughs> um, but you know, th- this is this is 
like bands who didn't get played on the radio or were ignored by MTV, you know, it's kind of funny. You look at a band like Metallica that was ignored by radio, largely ignored by MTV. They finally agreed to put out a video. Now the, the world came to them. So, you know, the industry is going to have to at some point say, okay, what did we overlook? Who did we miss here? Who's getting popular out there? And then we're going to have to do, and, and but believe it or not, CRTV is actually kind of taken that model. They've looked around at some of the biggest conservative faces on YouTube, like Steven Crowder and said, how do we bring that to us and make it a part of what we're doing. Same thing for, for Ali Stuckey and a few others. Isn't that like uh, Frank Zappa said something like that back in the day? He's like, you know, when you had these fat cat business executives working at record labels, they didn't know what was cool, so they would take a chance on somebody. But he said, you know, then what happened was all these hippies came in, they took over the record labels, and they thought they knew what was cool. Yeah. They thought they knew what kids wanted, and they wouldn't take any risks because it was very narrow of what, what they thought. And then in the fit. late 70s, you had the punk explosion. So, you know, and then the record company started signing up. You know, you saw that with Nirvana. Nirvana got signed, and all of a sudden it was like 5,000 grunge bands. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> but, yes, I, I think the networks... And I'm not trash talking any of the networks because I want to go on them. It's you were on Fox News over the weekend, <laughs> exactly. You know, uh, <laughs> twice. Um, that I think when it when it comes to their next evolution of of programming, they're going to be forced to look at the metrics of what. No different than someone saying what's hot in the clubs right now, right? What's hot in the clubs? There are bands, there are DJs, there there's something out there that's not on the radio and it's not under contract with the record company, and they have to go out and get it. Well, when that time comes, there are going to be networks like CRTV, like Soft Rep Radio, like whatever it is, that have been putting on popular programming, and they're going to say, ooh, we want that. We, we, want, to, we, we want to add it. We want to buy it. We want to partner with it. We, we, we need it because whatever we're doing is, causing, is still causing people to cut the cord and, and go this way. It seems like these networks have these like corporate committees that just crush everything, though. I mean, if you watch Netflix, it seems like they give a lot of creative freedom to people, and that's why they have these very good television shows on Netflix. And by comparison, the stuff on cable TV just seems so pedestrian. Well, you know, it's funny is that you could... Like you this know. Tesla's death ray show. It's terrible. <laughs> <laughs> Tesla death ray. Uh, I mean, I'm just being frank about it, you know? Well, you know, what's funny is that in, in still... And still, this is the the one thing I, I hang my hat on with, with SiriusXM is they're still taking risks, putting on channels, putting on people that probably had no chance at AM and FM, mm -hmm. you know. And and, and I, it's the guy that I they brought me in from from AM talk and and put me on. But they've put on a lot of people that you know probably if it was just you know two competing news talk radio stations or two competing sports programming or you know your heritage uh, classic rock and new rock station. Probably, you know, they're, they're, uh, we're putting on people that probably, if the program director didn't like you, like in the movie Airheads, like you know, I read the trades, <laughs> you know, that they're putting on people that probably in, in, in a more controlled radio environment might not have got on the air. Well, speaking on this subject, I mean, tell us about your TV show. What, how, what's it going to be? How, how are you going to draw people in? I, I had a, another TV show at a, another, another place. Network. I recall. Uh, yeah. I recall. Um, and, you know, it was going fine for a while, and some things happened. Um, not here to address those things, but <laughs> the show the show went away very unceremoniously. And this company, it's funny, I was contacted by the people who were building the infrastructure for this company. I think it was the day or two days after I lost that TV show, I get a call, and uh, the guy on the other line says, hi, you don't know me, but I'm, I'm starting up my own, my own network. And I was like, 
okay, I've, I've been through this before, <laughs> you know, like, you know, like, and, and, and we started talking and, um, you know, I wasn't sure what I, th- that I wanted to leave Sirius XM. I didn't know what I wanted to do next. And they started, they started laying their groundwork and their first big sign was, was Mark Levin, which I think was a really good, um, choice given that you look at how many people are locked up in the business, whether, uh, on radio and have a, a TV side gig, he was kind of, you know, the one that was available with a really big platform mm-hmm. following to, to build on. And we shot a pilot last year, um, in a studio they had, they had up in, in Vermont. And, and if I remember correctly, Brandon was on, right? And actually, yeah. And we actually did, we actually did a, a, a segment that never actually aired. We did this really cool thing about how, the politicians have gotten so comfortable just saying, well, special operations, right? It's like, well, you can't just shake the special operations tree in North Korea. It's a different animal. It's, it, you know, and, and Brandon and, and, and the general were in agreement that this was not bring back our girls. This was not Syria. This was not an insurgency we were dealing with. This wasn't asymmetrical warfare. Yeah. This was the threat of a nuclear, you know, showdown in an isolated country. And I remember when we shot the segment, I was like, God, we should be able to air this. Like, this is, this is good stuff. But the, what they were doing was they were bringing in people and kind of, kind of throwing them against the wall, giving them a, a time to do a, um, a demo or, or a pilot. And out of that, they picked mine. And, awesome. and, you know, like I, our studios are going to be literally one block from you guys. We're literally <laughs> up the block we'll here. we have to do this regularly. Yeah, yeah up the block. Yeah. And... Um, you know, the studio spaces obviously down here are much smaller. We're, we're going to have, it's, it's a startup. It, it's a, it's a new enterprise. Um, but I think the content is going to be similar to the old TV show, but what they want, and I, I think this is kind of smart. They want something that feels like that network show, but doesn't take an hour to get to. So whereas I was doing probably seven or eight minute monologues, I'm probably gonna be doing two minutes. Which, which I should add, unlike network TV shows, you wrote the entire. Oh uh, yeah, that when was, I was working with you, you know, like you were spending an insane amount of time writing these monologues, doing the radio show, going to do the TV show because you. you refused to do what these well, other it, networks it was, do, where you read something that your producers wrote. Well, and, and, yeah, and I've seen that. To 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 credit people who are good at reading prompter, I have friends in the business, and I have a friend who's a local newscaster, and he's like, some people can own the prompter, and some people can't, and. When I started doing the TV show, I had literally never read a teleprompter before. <laughs> and I thought, okay. And when you're reading lines, it sounds like you're reading lines. Yeah, well, yeah. But, but some people are good at making it, uh, Work. really owning it. And I didn't think I had that talent, but I knew if I wrote it, if something went wrong or I had to look away for a second, I, wanted, I, I knew if I wrote it, nothing can go wrong because I wrote it. And... You know, when we first started that show, we had a very young staff, very passionate staff, great bunch of young people. But I remember there would be times when there would be an intro and somebody would just say sergeant. I would say, well, master sergeant, sergeant first class, sergeant what? Or referring to Marines as soldiers. And it was no fault. Uh, it was a ve- We were a very small staff. We were always rushed. One of the things I had to, I had to kind of take back from that was knowing you guys and, and, and the respect that I have for the military was... If we were going to intro a military guest, we had to get it right. You know, we always had to make sure we got it right. If it was a, we couldn't just say, well, was it 5th Special Forces Group or 7th Special Forces Group? There's a difference, you know, that sort of thing. And the writing became very natural to me because 
I, I again, it was my relationship with with doing the show, but I didn't have the experience of so many other people that are just organically good at reading prompters. So I thought, you know, if you want something done right, you better do it yourself. And that's not to insult any of the people that you both know that worked on my show. It was that we were all inexperienced. And I, I, I felt that to, to succeed, I couldn't read other people's words. So what's the show going to be about? What's the format going to look like? I, I, it's it, it's it's going to look um, like a news program. Uh, it's a very nice studio. I think we're going to have shortened monologues and get right to the point with guests. They've hired a great stable of really mostly young conservatives. Um, and you Stephen know, Crowder. Stephen Crowder. Uh, you have also Gavin McGinnis, who's a little older than me. I should say young. One of the co-founders of Vice News. They have a really eclectic group of people from social conservatives like Steve Deese to libertarians like Matt Kibbe. So it, it's it's not going to be stodgy conservative. It's not going to be full on libertarian. But you're going to get that. You're going to get everything from the social conservative side to the libertarian side. And I think I, I think libertarians mostly get kind of left out a lot yeah. Yeah. Uh, from from you know the sort of right left paradigm. Libertarians offer something that's that's kind of neither right nor left. It's more um, you know erring on the side of limited government. So I think that's going to be a big thrust is kind of filling in where some of the networks have kind of ignored certain personalities and, and, and your streams of consciousness, especially libertarian, that's what we're going to be looking for. And it's interesting to see how libertarians have gotten a bad name, too. Over, I, I, I noticed this trend just really over the last couple of years, really, and I, I think libertarians have to own a little bit of it because um, some went down that whole anarcho-capitalism road. Uh, so, okay, you got to or think. Or that, that they were very bad diplomats for their belief system because it was almost... It was almost as smug as liberalism could be sometimes. At times, that, yeah. That yeah. If, if you don't know everything that I already believe, I, I don't have time to walk you through right. it. And, and if you're not with Ron Paul, get, get away from <laughs> Many of us, many of the audience, I should say, said that about uh, the guy we had on who was running for president. Um, Austin. Austin Peterson. Austin Peterson. Very, like, I'll be honest, came off as very arrogant with us at times. When, when he said to me, I remember the, the part that, that, that rings out to me, and I've, heard, I've seen people tweet me about it, was when he said, basically, we don't need a border patrol. And I was like, well, then how would you protect, you know, the border? That's why we have it That's there. That's back to that and, and capitalism like, thing. And he's right. like, oh, Every, right. everything should freely flow. He was it's like, like Americans had, with their Second Amendment right could protect the border. Like, that's really what you want? You, you want sure you want that? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And, uh, yeah, so... He, As I wear my border patrol hat? Yeah, well, I know well, he's been on your show, too, yeah. but I think he had that libertarian, like, arrogance. And I'm a libertarian, you know? Like, lawless countries are not a fun place. It's well, and, cool. and, and what the problem, a lot of problems with libertarians is on a they, there's no kind of half measure like why isn't the fire department privatized <laughs> yeah. well you know yeah. it, it's okay and I get I get the argument I've read my Lou Rockwell my Maury, Lo- Maury Rothbard just for good measure but do you think most voters think the biggest problem with their government <laughs> is the fire department? The fire department? <laughs> you know, like you, you guys, you gotta, you gotta pick some more obvious targets. And the problem with with libertarians sometimes, and it's not all libertarians, um, is they are almost as absolutist on the whole. You know, right. take it the all. The whole or, ideology you know, has and, to and come. And you see together. that a lot with with progressives. That if you aren't a uh, pro trans vegan. <laughs> Uh, th- then you're a Nazi, right? Yeah, right. If you're not, if yeah. you're not all checking all these boxes all at once, and I think, I think libertarians have great ideas, but they also have to be willing to share them with people who don't really understand them. Yeah. And I think 
you know, once you explain why you believe what you believe if you're a libertarian, like, oh, yeah, yeah, the government should be out of marriage. Okay, good, yeah. And understand that we have a democracy and it's going to be a blending of ideas between different people. It's never going to be a pure ideological government. I don't know we want an ideological government. I just want a government that thinks like me. <laughs> well, it's, well, that's everybody, isn't it? Go, going into, you know, when you were saying what the TV show is going to be about, I think that's the cool thing that you always break down these political philosophies, like the origin of them, the writers who started them. Like, I know you're big on Bastiat and all this stuff. And Jack and I have said on the podcast really often, like, you turn on network news and it's all their commentary on what Trump tweeted. And yeah. you're like, I could go to Twitter and I could read Donald Trump's Twitter. I don't need you to give, you know, a 20 minute breakdown well, that's of what the we were, pros and cons that's of what, what we he were said. talking about, yeah. about why people aren't tuning into television. Because I, why do I need to see somebody on television tell me what Trump tweeted? We, we can go there and read how dumb he looks ourselves. I mean, we can see it. <laughs> I actually like a lot of his tweets, but that's a separate <laughs> argument for a separate day. One of the things I get to do also, is, and you guys are down the block, is I like that in-depth experience military journalism. You know this. I mean, I, yeah. I wanna I wanna hear those stories. I don't I don't wanna just be like, are we launching a missile or, or are we not? I want the nuances. Right, I think right. the I think details. the audience is gonna come to this program and it's go, oh, these guys have been there, done that, and their opinions are based on their experiences. And it's not just this surface level DOJ bureaucrat, foreign policy yeah. bureaucrat, academic bureaucrat uh, sort of opinion. It's like, hey, I put boots on the ground here. This is a bad idea. Or, yeah, we can accomplish this, but, you know, it's going to have to have political will. It's not just the the um, network contributor who, you know, is saying what the network chieftains want them to say, which I Again, I'm never privy to this stuff. I would rather sit down with you or Brandon or whoever and go, all right, guys, you know, even if it's not your area of expertise, I mean, like, you know, maybe launching nuclear missiles is not <laughs> no. what you have experience with, <laughs> but I still respect your opinion on it because, you know, special operations pretty much is always at the fore of all these things. And I want those special operation guests to give me their experience based opinion. So what, would you have some ideas as far as uh, kind of topics to cover? I mean, you're mentioning defense. Yes, Nikola, Tes Nikola Tesla, why Tesla's he was killed. Ray. Was, was there a death ray? Was uh, there a murder? Yes. Uh, a lot of the stuff that we're going to be doing, um, you know, obviously people have their opinions on Trump. But when you get past the, the tweets and the Democrats being apoplectic, you take an example like DACA. Whether you agree or disagree with DACA, the fact that he said... This is an executive order that never should have been written. The job of Congress, you know, if you cut through, if you cut through, I guess what excites some people and get to, was it constitutional for him to push it back to the Congress? Absolutely. And we're, I think we're going to be doing more of that than spending time on what the president tweeted, um, who's angry at him for tweeting it, <laughs> um, you know, the... The, the social media part of it, yeah, I mean, I guess if we're forced to cover, but I think we're going to go more into policy and the Constitution. And it seems like a, there's a lot of folks out there who need some help with, like, basic civics, like how your government works. And I see people getting so angry about stuff, and, like, you realize... You know, the president doesn't have that big of a role to not play, supposed with, to. To play with uh, the economy, especially. I mean, I hear not people supposed talking to. about stuff. Well, you know, we always say this, and I know that conservatives get uh, accused of being, um, I guess, conspiratorial with public education. But when you look at public education, 
what's the incentive of government-run education to teach you about the limits of government? Because you might go, well, then why am I in a government classroom? <laughs> it doesn't say anything about that in the Constitution. I, I think we have, for political purposes, dumbed down our teaching of civics and made yeah. it more about what is the greater good, who's trying to achieve a better, a better tomorrow for this, rather than saying, is the government good at this and should they continue doing this? Where does the government belong? Where doesn't it belong? Where do the states belong? Where do cities belong? Where do, you know, where do charities belong? I, I think we've, we've been taught to believe that our president is supposed to be our, our moral lord and savior. <laughs> And, you know, our president's not supposed to be our moral lord and savior. We're, we're, it's not a king. It's not a king. And we shouldn't treat him like a king. And, you know, the, the scary thing is, is that when you, when you look at the way, and I'll make this my conservative complaint, that the Democrats kind of thought that Barack Obama should be unleashed to do all these good things. And then as soon as Donald Trump became president, like, well, we have a constitution and president. Yeah, exactly. no, 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 no. Either we are consistent in the limits of the executive branch and the judicial branch and the, the legislative branch, or we are opening ourselves up to a sort of uh, an anarchy that, well, well, the Supreme Court said so. Well, are they empowered to say so? Well, they're supreme. Well, that's not what it says in Article I, 3. I know you've seen the meme, uh, you know, when liberals, and they've told me this too, I'm sure you've heard it, where they say, look, we don't need the Second Amendment anymore. Like, we're never going to have this uh, authoritarian, dictatorial government. You don't, there's no need for the Second Amendment. Then Trump Amendment. got elected. And then Trump gets elected. You know, they, 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 they <laughs> I need an AR-15 <laughs> right now. He's literally <laughs> Hitler. Uh, under, under Barack Obama, states' rights equaled racism. And as soon as Donald Trump got elected, California threatened to secede. So it's like, it's kind of like, it's, it, it, it is that kind of crazy, today I like it, tomorrow yeah. I don't kind of thing. And... Uh, Separate from 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 libertarians, I think constitutional conservatives. Uh, you know, whereas I have my personal opinions on social issues, but I go, yeah, that's not in the constitution. So really, yeah, it's not yeah. for government. And I, I think one thing that we're going to try to do, and I, I I will lay this blame on on liberals. Liberals don't separate their opinions from government. No, if they believe it, it's government, right? Whereas a lot I, of it's emotional. Well, think, well, everyone has uh, emotions play but a huge I think part in politics. I, I as a constitutional conservative, say, do I believe in traditional marriage? Yes. Do I believe it's the cornerstone for society? Yes. Do I think it's the best way, best way to raise a child? Yes. Do I think the government should be involved? <laughs> yeah. No. And I think that's a hard mm-hmm. full stop for a lot of people to make. That when they capture the whims of the, the wheels of power, like what can I, what of my personal agenda can I can I can I place upon the society? And as a constitutional conservative, I, I like that full stop, that you can have your opinions, you can live your way, you could say your freedom to be you includes my freedom to be free from you, don't want to bake you a cake, or bake me an effing cake, or whichever cake you want baked. Um, but I think the full stop has to come is, does the government need to be here? And, you know, if you're being honest with yourself, sometimes you got to go, no, the government doesn't belong here. There's, a, there's an interesting conversation there, too, about the whole nature of freedom. And when you give people freedom, they're also going to do stupid things with but it. That, but see, that, but I am, I am one of these people, like right, right now we're debating pot laws. And the 10th Amendment doesn't say one word <laughs> about the government, g- government regulating what we put in our bodies. People say, well, if we didn't have an FDA, well, you know, maybe we should inspect pork coming in from foreign countries. Fine, that's cross-border, you know, dealings. But as far as whether or not the federal government should tell people they should, should or should not smoke marijuana, as someone who doesn't smoke marijuana, isn't going to smoke marijuana, lives in a state where it's going to be legal real soon, not going to change my 
my use of it. If you want to drink raw milk, knock yourself out. Knock yourself out. That's, that's up to you. You want to raise your kids to, to believe this, that, or the other thing? Go right ahead. Yeah. Well All of these things, uh, you know, with the freedom of speech, the right to bear arms, they have negative consequences also. But it, I think it's like socially it's a question of, okay, if you, we accept this, we, we accept the trade-off, essentially. Now, you give people freedom, some people are going to do dumb things with it. They're going to hurt each other. Yeah, but, but, but they're going to do but that. This even, is... But we, we've also, I think we've proven without a shadow of a doubt that the law doesn't always protect us. Right. Or, or we wouldn't be talking about Tide Pod challenges right now. Oh, my right? God. <laughs> you know, and and, and I, I joked on Twitter, I said, here's a Tide Pod challenge for millennials. Do your own laundry. But, <laughs> but, but if somebody's going to put a Tide Pod in their mouth, but how does the government stop that from happening? Yeah, you can't stop people from being dumb. Yeah, right. Even if the warning's right there. Yeah. <laughs> Shouldn't eat that. And it's going <laughs> in <laughs> right? my mouth. Right. You know, <laughs> I mean, even 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 with a mechanized law that is supposed to prevent us from doing harm to ourselves, people will find a way to do harm to themselves. And, you know, there are old sayings about dangerous freedoms. Well, yeah. yeah freedom is dangerous. Fra- freedom, is. <laughs> freedom is dangerous. It's unpredictable. It... It, it it's 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 hard to account for, and I think that scares people in in certain functions of government. That well, what if we can't control people? Well, we're not talking about opening ourselves up to the wasteland of the road warrior, but <laughs> you know, I think when the government meddles too much, you know, when the government treats people like children, it wonders why they can't make good decisions. Yeah. Yeah. Just just to reset here, since we are doing the live stream, we're here with Andrew Wilkow, host of the Wilkow Majority, guy I worked with for probably like seven years yeah. about, something like that, until... And I never yelled at him once. Yeah, that's probably true, yeah. It's we, absolutely yeah, true. Yeah, we always got along very well. I don't I yell mean, at anybody. Yeah, no, we get along very well. Only I, on the air. No, I don't even know. I, don't, I have a passionate voice. You're, you're but very I'm passionate. Passionate voice, but I don't really yell. Yeah, so, <laughs> I mean, that's really where I personally, you know, for those uh, watching, Ian Scotto, uh, producer here and other on-air talent. But, yeah, that's where I met Brandon, where I met Jack, and where this whole thing um, The only person missing happened. from the party is Mike Benz. Well, he's busy uh, cutting up audio and running logs back at SiriusXM. I've told you before, and uh, you know, you already know this. Not to name any names, there's been guests. I've se- Mike is just such a funny one line guy yeah. that I've seen guests just listen to Mike kind of ramble in the control room and steal his lines on air with really? you and use yeah. them like they were yeah. theirs. Yeah. And I'm just like. You just said this, and Mike is just the type of guy who's just like, eh, whatever. He you doesn't care. get pissed off about it. I would kind of get pissed and be like, dude, that was my. What do you line, do? Hop but- on there. Hey, I just said that in the control room. Because <laughs> he he always has those lines. But I, funny, I wanted dude. to get into the last Veterans Day broadcast because the thing I know about you from working with you for so long is like the Veterans Day and veteran issues is not something that once a year you get into. Year round, you do things for veterans, whether it's going with um, Rick Iannucci at the ranch in New Mexico, riding horses with vets who have uh, post-traumatic stress issues, and and that's what you pretty much donate to year-round. It's not a one-time thing, and you guys donated uh, like tens of thousands of dollars. We raised over $30,000 at Ebeno Looney's, a bar in Times Square this year. and For Operation Showout, Red Circle Foundation, Horses for Heroes. Rick is really good. Semper Fi Fund. Yeah, it was really exciting. Um, we had some fans in the NYPD who, when we found out that they were, they were fans and we, we got to hang out with them, they said, you know, we want to get involved in your Veterans Day thing. You know, what could we do? I said, you know, look, I got bikers who want to come to this thing. You know, I mean, if you can help me 
park a hundred bikes, and you know what a column of a hundred Harley yeah. Davidsons looks like coming down the street? It's it's huge, and they're like we're on it. And next thing I know, I got I got guys from the northwest the northwest Jersey uh, chapter of Hog talking to NYPD, talking to Sirius XM, talking to MNO Loonies. And this year, we it was like, we put this thing out on social media. Hey, you want to ride? You got to make a minimum $20 donation to get your T-shirt. And I'll say nobody made the minimum $20 donation. I mean, people, we, we had one guy donate five grand wow. uh, for one T-shirt. <laughs> and, you know, it was, it was amazing the passion of these, these guys. Some of them were cops. Some of them were firefighters. Many of them were veterans themselves. Uh, just for a little record, Delgado pulled his bike up r- right as the riders were coming in. Delgado jumps on his bike and just goes, hey, I'm here. Like, you know, like he just rode out in front. <laughs> and, and we had all these guys and we were we put an order form up on the Internet and people were mailing money to my merch provider. Uh, mailing, he said to me, he called me because I, I can't believe in this day and age of PayPal, people are handwriting one check for a donation and then handwriting another check for the shipping and handling for the shirt. And... When, when even when we were done, money was still pouring in from people who didn't. No matter what they donated, they just wanted. It wasn't even about the shirt, which was a pretty cool shirt. It is a cool um, shirt. But they wanted to donate to these charities because what we were doing was one hundred percent direct giving. We didn't set up an uh, a five hundred one c three. We didn't hire an administrator. We didn't hire an accountant. Basically, what we asked on the order form was: you pick one of six charities or donate to all six, you write the check directly to them, we mail you the shirt, and we give the check to the charity. So when Stop Soldier Suicide showed up, I handed them a stack <laughs> of checks. And I remember saying, I, I don't know if it was from from the, from the Red Circle or Stop Soldier Suicide, they'll look at all these checks and go, hey, that's a good problem to have, right? I, well, I was like, what about me? Because I was the only one who even knew anyone from Red Circle Foundation other than Drew Dwyer. I have nothing to do with the foundation, and... You you gave me this envelope of like all this cash and checks. I think I went on the train with like how much would it have been? It was like five thousand dollars worth of checks charity, and cash. I, I, and I'm, I'm December five. Fun I was like Brandon, was late, what do I do with this? December five fun was a late addition because we got to meet J.W. Cortez, who plays uh, Detective Alvarez on the Fox show Gotham. So they were a very late addition. So we didn't raise as much money for them. Um, but each of the other five charities got a little over five thousand each, and yeah. then I think it was like uh, about a thousand for December five. Well, I'm sorry I didn't make it this year. I was, so we'll get you next. Year. I was doing the TV stuff, and a- Emmett is always great. We should say if anybody's ever in the area and wants Emmett's to check out a bar, like it, yeah. you know, in a vast amount of liberalism you were talking about the socialist workers party is like down the block. You like, didn't know that seriously? It's four doors down from you. They have a red star on a banner out there. That's I saw that. I that second it, floor is the Socialist Workers Party. Holy shit! <laughs> so yeah, my my point. Yeah, maybe you should do some investigative <laughs> investigative work there. But yeah, my point being, like in this city, Emmett is a very proud supporter of veterans, a proud, openly conservative guy. Has you know everything from your stickers to Atlas Shrugged posters on the to wall, to Tonto signed books, to Brand- yeah. the Brandon Webb sandwich. I think your book is cover signed of on there, my right? novel is yeah. up there. Yeah. And yeah, so he's just a great guy. I would recommend people but check I, it out. I, if we're we're already York. planning a vet ride 2018 because, and we figured it out. Like you know, the reason why we're going to do it this year is because it fell out on a Saturday, and next year it falls out on a Sunday, and it's probably going to be a few calendar years before we have a weekend to do it again. So we've already got our parade permits for 2018 for this year. We've already got the go ahead from Sirius X. We already got the go ahead from Emmett. We already got the charities ready to line up again. 
And I mean, this year was was difficult because there was such a crush of people that I was so distracted on the air. It was hard to get our guests to yeah, yeah. People were loud. One, I'm right in the middle bigger. of the broadcast. One guy walks over and goes, hey, how do I get a T-shirt? I'm like, over there, over there, you know? <laughs> so I think we're going to set up the the T-shirt merch table. We had one at the where the ride uh, began at Tremont and Harley in New Jersey, and then we had another one at Emmett's, and they decided to put it like kind of next to the broadcast booth. I'm like, I think we're going to have to separate things and be able to get our guests in and out much quicker. But NYPD, I mean, they, I mean, we had Jersey State Troopers taking the riders from New Jersey to the Lincoln Tunnel, and NYPD picked them up. And when you stand there on a street and a hundred Harleys in a collar <laughs> coming, first of all, it's loud. And it was just an, it was an incredible, incredible day that we, to, to raise that kind of money. So yeah, all, you know, throughout the year, I, I work with Rick. I, I donate money. I don't brag about it. Um, but yeah, to be able to send him about you know fifty five hundred six grand or whatever it was, you know, for Operation Chill Out, that's life changing money if you don't yeah. know what to do. Yeah, for homeless veterans, right? Yeah, they they get they work with a network of of homeless shelters, and if they get a call, or they get uh they get a veteran who was arrested for a petty you know kind of like if there's a homeless veteran who basically gets himself arrested to get a little shelter, the police will call them or the homeless shelter will call them and they will come with a backpack of supplies immediately which they keep backpacks with socks, shoes, underwear, chain all kinds of you know toiletries and then they get them into a halfway house and then they try to get them a job. I'm so going to take some questions from the audience yeah. at some point because I know that there's a ton of them coming we in. People want to ask that. Andrew stuff. I always try to get them in, and they're always like, you know, be interactive here because that's why we do Facebook Live. But um, I'll look through them. I'm the only one here with a computer near me. But I did want to ask you about, um, just because I haven't been there with your show every day, I actually do tune in when I can. What's, like, the biggest story that you DACA. think the media is avoiding? DACA. Uh, oh, avoiding? Yeah, because avoiding? what I was going to say is that, for example, when I worked on your show, I remember you were talking about the Uranium One deal with Hillary Clinton long before the media was, and you were talking about it every single day. So I'm just wondering, like, what are they not covering that you think they need to well, be Well, it's funny that the, the, the bigger excuse now is that John Solomon at the Hill has been doing amazing reporting on some of these, these, this uranium one, the money that was flowing, people who have been indicted, um, most notably one of the uh, these trucking company executives who was working with the Clintons. It, it's amazing to me how they want to prosecute everything Donald Trump says, any accusation from the past, and yet when you're like, yeah, okay, grab him by the p word. That probably wasn't the smartest thing for him to say, but it was kind of said in you know jest and not meant for public commentary. But you know, if you had a Secretary of State and former President who were working a deal to you know sell not for transfer for nuclear weapons, one of the biggest conspiracies about this is that we were trying to give the Russians nuclear weapons. They they have nuclear weapons. They have all the nuclear weapons you know they could possibly, but. To give them partial control of an energy market or a strategic asset market was something that, that absolutely made no sense. And, you know, it was the New York Times that the, when conservatives got, you know, backlash in the media for this, I was like, I'm reading this in the New York Times. That story, the story kind of came and went. And you can't go, whoa, 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 whoa hold on a second. You, you do a whole piece about the Clintons taking in $150 million leading up to this uranium deal. And we're supposed to go... Yeah, moving yeah. on to something else. Donald Trump tweeted. A Andrew, can you break down the story a little bit? I know it's very complex, but I, I actually have not followed it. Uh, it, it the basis right, of it is it's quid pro quo, right? Starting in 2005, 
Bill Clinton started working with a man named Frank Gistra, who was a Canadian kind of mining magnate. And he was traveling with Gistra as he was expanding operations in places like Uzbekistan. Mm-hmm. And I guess it was nice to have the former president of the United and States with you. Bill Clinton played a big role in uh, Kazakhstan and other countries. Yeah, I mean, Kazakhstan. He, he helped open up that area yeah, opened, after the Soviet Union fell. He was touring with Frank Gistra. And some of these these mining investors, and they were securing you know big mining contracts. And over the years, um, you know there was this this building relationship. And then when Hillary Clinton became Secretary of State, a mass load of donations started coming into the to the Clinton Foundation. And when they say nine agencies had to sign off on this, yeah, but what those other nine agencies didn't know that only the DOJ and the State Department apparently knew was that the FBI was investigating some of these these mining operations and the money that was flowing in. And then Peter Schweitzer put out the book Clinton Cash, and then the New York Times put out their piece in 2015. So, you know, it's it's a lot to do right here without me kind of having notes and research in front of me. But the the... It was reminiscent of the Johnny Chung Chinese Missile Loral Space and Communications deal where you had money coming in from high-ranking Chinese officials. Uh, you had money coming in from Bernard Schwartz and Loral Space and Communications. And then all of a sudden, Bill Clinton kind of lifted sanctions on missile technology right. to China. And it was like, well, did the money play a role in this? Now, you know, you would have many in the media who would say, well, we, we don't know if it played a role in it. Um, but when you're talking $150 million, um, you have to ask the question, did it play a role? It's so, I mean, I think that's how the Clintons and the Clinton foundation have always operated that it's this quid pro quo that they're very smart about how they go about it because it's hard to foundation. it's It's hard to prove. Well, you know, you look at their actions in Haiti. Um, we got to interview the former uh, head of the, their parliament, not the not the prime minister, and he said that one of the things the Clintons wanted for for relief was to change the constitution about mining. And Tony Rodham walked away with gold mining rights. <laughs> so you know, and, and that's not, not not anything I'm making. And we're up. supposed to believe it's all just a yeah, coincidence. Yeah, it was just a coincidence. And you know, look, I'm. I, I, I know that conservatives get a bad rap for being kind of the vast right-wing conspiracy and we hate Hillary and all that stuff, but there are some things that, you know, as a journalist or whoever, there are things that are worthy of looking into. Yeah, and yeah. what's what's bizarre is when I ping off of a New York Times report, I take it and goes, it's just because you hate the Clintons. Uh, it's in the New York Times. I'm not making this stuff up. It's in the Hill. It's, you know, yeah. it's in it's in Reuters or the Associated Press. You people always make it a point to it. not go with just I, yeah, conservative I, and sources. I, look, I have, I have rubbed people the wrong way with that. I, I love my, my brethren at Breitbart. I love my friends at Conservative Review, which I will be on their TV platform. But I try to stay with the Associated Press and Reuters and AFP yeah. and even use the New York Times and Washington Post because people can't, well, you're just getting that from the right-wing blogosphere is that the washington post because i mean the last time i checked that wasn't you know that wasn't the the home of right-wing thought by the way it would be a funny thing that i just have to mention here and i know you have no idea what he's up to now like most of us but before steve bannon was steve bannon i just knew him as a guy who filled in for you yeah (laughs) it it was you know i i've i've had people like oh you and bannon i'm like i had i was around Bannon a couple of times. There's the funny photograph that Mike will show you. He was uh, at CPAC and he was broadcasting and I just kind of walked behind him when the cameras were there and started doing a yoga pose <laughs> while he was in the middle of some kind of thing. He didn't even like seem to know I was there. 
And after CPAC, I saw him. He used to sit at this coffee house on the first floor of our building. But yep, I remember there that. was very few interactions between myself and him. He was never in the office when I was yep. there. I, I never went to any of the Breitbart embassy parties. Um, I kind of shy away from, you know, when we're at the RNC or CPAC, the kind of after parties that yeah. go on and sometimes go on too too late into the night. <laughs> I, I, I just kind of make my way back to my hotel room. I have a few drinks, you know, Mike, you guys, whoever... But uh, I'm, I'm not I'm not a, a scene a party scene sure. person. So I you know I don't I didn't really spend that much time with them. I just thought it was interesting because I don't think any of us would have predicted that Stephen K. Bannon would be like one of the most famous men in America. Notorious, yeah, notorious. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> I, I you know I did, I got to be honest, didn't see it coming either. Yeah. Um, so I'm looking at the questions here. This is actually a good question. It's connected to what I just asked. But uh, to Dale Esslinger watching on Facebook Live. Uh, what's the biggest national security threat that the mainstream media isn't reporting? That's You're asking you have to say for that, both that, of you, really. That's, but. Um, well, I, I w- I've said on, I, I think it was on your program, or no, maybe it was, uh, no, it was on your program when you had a guest host. Um, and I said uh, China. And actually, since that time, I think the media has picked up on that story that China is a revisionist power and a serious threat to the United States. And I think that that's being covered now a lot more than um, than it, it was, you know, say two years ago. Well, I think one of the, the things the media is ignoring, and we've had Gordon Chang on about this. There was great. A, there was a story that was actually in Chinese media that one of their test sites, I believe the place, and I want to try to pronounce this right, I don't want to insult it, it was Punji Ri. They had a, a, a test fail that caused an avalanche and Chinese scientists were warning the Chinese government like, hey, maybe their safety standards aren't up to par. And I didn't see much in the in the media about this that, you know, maybe it was time to kind of work with the Chinese, because if the North Koreans are ill-equipped to handle nuclear weapons, think about what a misfire would do EMP wise to China. So, you know, given that we have a trade relationship, their economy relies on on trade partners, us being the trade partners, European trade partners. Let's try to use trade and the fact that the North Koreans might be not the best at handling this kind of stuff, kind of like, you know, like this. um, Maybe we can encourage them to be better allies or partners in dealing with North Korea because you know, potentially, if the North Koreans have a misdetonation, it would have effects for China, negative consequences for China. How about this uh, Hawaii uh, fake the missile false, launch? The fake news? Yeah, that was crazy, That's right? scary. I mean, imagine getting one of those, that there's ICBMs incoming. Yeah, especially, you know, imagine it here. People people get a text that Starbucks ran out of pumpkin spice. You know, like... <laughs> then freak out. It, right? you put that, I was oh. saying, imagine that text was in Texas as opposed to, like, Hawaii. I feel like people would be, like, gearing up for the zombie apocalypse immediately. I, you know, I, I... I guess because I didn't get the text, some part of me thinks that I would wait for confirmation, you know? Because my, my wonder was, you know when people put you in those situations, what would you do if the plane was going down, Right. Yeah. Well, what if the plane didn't go down? <laughs> what, what, what if you thought you were about to get hit with a nuclear weapon and you only had a half hour to live, but then you don't get hit with a nuclear <laughs> weapon? You know, it's like, I have expl- some explaining to the neighbors to do. Uh, <laughs> you know, like, what, what, did anyone act on that in the sort of like, hey, I got a half hour to live. What do I do with that half hour? 
and then the half hour is up and you're still there. And they're, they're broke in a strip club yeah. somewhere. <laughs> yeah, it's like, ooh, uh, that's going to leave a mark. Uh, <laughs> I wonder if there is that story out there. Well, we saw um, everyone saw putting people, you're putting kids in the sewer. I mean, I don't know. I, I, I would want to believe that that it, it, you would you would see that and go okay I need I need more I need yeah, I need, I need yeah. more I need more clarification here like you know um, it reminded me of the story that you hear about War of the Worlds that when they right. announced that an alien invasion happened yeah, in, 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 yeah, in New Jersey and people were freaking out it's like hold on hold on a second yeah I, I feel like culturally we've also been kind of desensitized because like true. every time there's like a thunderstorm you get a little word on your phone the weather channel's going crazy saying we're all gonna die there's a flash flood coming blah 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 they're running out of pumpkin spice when I, I mean what, <laughs> what, what was that term they were using for that snowstorm it snowed like six inches oh like snow again no, I drove it was like, right it was through like it. Death cyclone, oh, or oh some cyclone shit. bomb, or something. What the like I, I drove right through it in my truck. <laughs> it a I, I drove. I just put my car in four wheel drive and went right through it like it wasn't even there. So yeah, I wonder if, if that like that message did go out. Well, to, that's like, back to your mainstream media thing that you know causing a panic. You know, and this is this is a fear that when you when you have. 24 hour coverage of Snowmageddon or the cyclone bomb. Got to hype it, and then. You get three inches of snow, and people aren't dead. The power grid hasn't gone down. You know there isn't there isn't like war for the last gallon of milk. You know how many times do you cry wolf before people go, and yeah. then you get a text: nuclear weapons being launched. That's the same thing too with the, you know not to go back to Trump's Twitter, but every single day it's. Can you believe what Trump tweeted? Yeah. It's like yes, and that's I why believe I, it. That's why I saw I, that Mike I Mike wrote be- something about that on Facebook. He was like yes. I believe it, no matter, before you even tell me what he tweeted. <laughs> and he was like, thank God Congress has, you know, power in our country. We don't live in a dictatorship. Well, I, I forgot who said it, but they said, they said Twitter is the laser point. Uh, it, Trump is the laser pointer and the media is the cats. Yeah. You right, know, that yeah. like, he probably, I, I would not be saying, watch this, I'm going to tweet something out. Here we go. Here you go. I, yeah, I can't, I can't. Sneaky <laughs> Diane. I can't do it. I can't do, I can't like do the daily outrage. I just can't yeah, do it. I agree. There's, there's one guy who always tweets me. He wants me to be his outraged as him i, I you might aren't you outraged that. ian yeah um, why aren't you outraged so this this is actually probably a question you get a lot on your radio show i just know as a guy who screens phone calls when i was there um steve Lindbergh Lindbergh baby okay <laughs> on on youtube asks, <laughs> that's the next episode of jack's tv show yeah, asks, uh, we're do, digging for the Lindbergh baby we're you, gonna find it <laughs> do you feel there's a massive case of treason with the clintons I think they learned to perfect early on in Arkansas. If you go back and read their relationship with Tyson Foods, um, and and the you know here's the weird thing, my understanding of that started with Jerry Brown. It wasn't anything that I was like, ooh, can I find something there? Jerry Brown in the '92 primaries looked right at Bill Clinton and said, you had you were looking the other way while Tyson Foods was polluting, polluting the white water, and your wife was the attorney for Tyson Foods. Oh, shit, while your really? state, Yeah, so this this started with Jerry Brown, and before Bill Clinton was the Bill Clinton, the media got really interested in his relationship with the Walton family and and, and, and Mina, Tyson Arkansas, Ford. there was a lot of nefarious activities that went down. There's that too, cocaine yeah. cowboys. But before Bill Clinton became, you know, JFK 2.0, um, 
Or as uh, Colin Quinn once said, JFK had Marilyn Monroe and Bill Clinton went for the first pair of acid wash jeans that fell out of a Budweiser's. <laughs> <laughs> Which I love him for that. The, the media was very willing to report more heavily on, on their sort of, their pay for play. And I think it only grew as, as their influence grew. I think the money got bigger and the, the interests got bigger. So you started with you know, environmental issues in, in the White River and pollution and the biggest, two biggest employers in Arkansas are Walmart and Tyson Foods. And then you move up to... Uranium. Know, <laughs> yeah, you move up to uranium. And I, 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 I just, I, I can't, this is what I don't understand about the Clintons. How much is enough? Yeah. You know, at what yeah. point do you say we are really potentially creating something that could threaten the United States? And when I, when I'm not one of these people. I've argued. I argued with Mark Cuban about this. Mark Cuban kind of came after me, like, "You don't really think that the Clintons are sending uranium to Russia?" I'm like, "No, no, no. They're not loading up a, an AC-130 and sending it over there. But they are giving them entrance into the market. Where if the Russians are the worst thing in the world, why would you want them controlling even one percent of American mined uranium?" And By the way, that was one of those things that just started as like tweets back and forth, right? Yeah, and then he called into the and radio then he came, show. You know, after after tweeting back and forth and me saying, "Look, I actually respect some of your." Your, you know what you what you believe. I think you're barking up the wrong tree, looking for me as like some sort of you know crazy you know person. And then he came on the program and was kind of like, yeah, all right, you're not so bad. I, I, I dig it. What, no. was, what was more out there then, Mark Cuban randomly kind of calling in, or Caitlyn Jenner randomly calling? Oh in? wow. Um, <laughs> have you seen the pictures of that? Oh, yes. Okay. Um, that I think was more bizarre for people at Sirius XM. Yeah. Because I had one executive recently say to me that you are the cross-eyed redheaded stepchild of this company, <laughs> <laughs> and I and she's like, I mean that in the best way possible. That look, it's it's Manhattan, it's the entertainment industry it is it is what it is it you know this is this town and i i think that the people who don't like conservative media can't understand how a caitlin jenner could possibly possibly like my program um the same thing goes for kristen beck kristen beck yeah. listens calls regularly that Kristen Beck called recently and said, Andrew, you know, your beliefs on, on a free society, they extend to people like me. And I said, yeah, okay, thanks. Hung up. You know, <laughs> like I satisfied, you know, that, 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 that's where, that's the libertarian in me talking, you know, but when Caitlyn Jenner came in and was uh, set to do this, the big book release with yep. Andy Cohen from Bravo yes. and Caitlyn Jenner sitting in the, in the green room and they said, could we get you anything? He said, yeah. Caitlyn said, yeah. And I, Andrew, Andrew Wilkow. And they were like, wait, 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 wait what? So Ian, Ian, Ian and I get summoned to the green room, and there's the Caitlyn Jenner sitting there, you know, and just hops up and, and grabs. And towers above now, both you of us. remember. I saw the picture. It was like when the king I, of Persia has his hands on Leonidas' shoulders. Like. I, I, I think, first of all, the inscription in the book is to my work in progress. And I was like, ooh, that's ironic. Um, but forgetting... This cis male versus Zim Zazer, what we know is Bruce Jenner. And I and I said this to Caitlin, I said, you will always be the Bruce Jenner on the Wheaties box yeah, to yeah. my generation. I said, but if you want to live your life this way, this is you know entirely up to you. You still have to remember this is a world-class athlete who is larger than most men. Oh, and now wearing high heels. 
Caitlyn Jenner hops up off the chair and just gouges my shoulder <laughs> with, and I'm using gender, Caitlyn's thumb. And I'm like, owie, and spins me around. And we take this picture. And I was, I, I kind of looked at Ian with a kind of sly smile as, as I'm getting this kind of like finger in the face. But, you know, <laughs> it was, it was, it was very, it was more surreal to see the look on the people's faces in the room, like, what am I seeing here? This guy is, you know, in my mind, this right-wing monster, and here is the person who is, you know, breaking barriers for the transgender community, and this person likes him, you know? So that was a, that was a very weird... Was a I very, thought the pictures were phenomenal. <laughs> yes, they do. <laughs> they, do uh, they do speak a lot. A picture can say a thousand words. What they are, I have no idea. <laughs> <laughs> Should I show it to the camera? Yeah, I'll, I'll repost it or something. Okay. It, uh, it you almost, took it. Yeah, it almost reminds me, to be honest, of like when we've met Trace Adkins, who's a friend of the show, just yep. hours above everybody. Like, you know, you, you talk about it on the show behind, you know, the well, makeup the weird, and the plastic the weird, surgery. Like, Caitlin, what was Bruce Jenner, as you said, is like a genetic freak of a man. You well, know? And, I, you know, without sending people to, the, to angrily, you know, send things to you, yes, Caitlin was once a, you know, just like Kristen Beck was once yeah, Chris Beck. Absolutely. And, and I remember saying to, to, to Chief Beck, I was like, well, how much you bench? <laughs> you know, and, and Chief Beck was like, 315. I'm like, yeah, you know, most women don't bench <laughs> no, 315 don't. pounds. So, you know, e- even if that is that that their chosen lifestyle, you can't give up on the fact that you are a Navy SEAL that, you know, hoisted logs over your head and stuff like that. I mean, you are big, beefy dude. <laughs> yeah, I are. heard Kristen Beck went the last, well, one of the last times Kristen Beck was on the show and you were in studio with John Gillum mm-hmm. and Kristen Beck was like, John, how much do you bench? I uh, bet I could no, bench as much just, as you. Exactly. <laughs> oh, what kind of conversation are we having here? You know, like I don't discuss when I tell my wife how much I bench, she's like, I don't care. <laughs> you know, she's like, I don't care. Yeah, that's so. funny. Um, so I'm looking at some other questions here. This is actually a pretty good question for all of us. I think, um, do you think that radio shows or podcasts can eventually overpower the 24-hour news cycle? Uh, how can small media companies stand a chance against CNN, MSNBC, and Fox when they seem to have large bases of revenue streaming in? I think it's already happening. Yeah, well, I think the truth is, and I, I you know, not to uh, discount myself, I think that the network chieftains, you look at the kind of money that's been lost on the signing of, of, of some big media personalities recently without naming names. Um, I think the days of throwing a $20 million contract at somebody, um, I, I think that because people want into this business, I, I think that they're going to, that, that you, you look at podcasters who edit their own podcasts or people that do their own YouTube channels. You know, I'll be honest with you at the new CRTV studio, myself and my producer may be wheeling out the desk for the first few months. And I think where this business has hmm, built some prima donnas, I, I think the new sort of rogue new media types are a little bit more rough and tumble and don't expect that $20 million payday. You know, that like when you look at some of the network news salaries, I, I think eventually when they don't get their bang for that buck anymore, you know, and when people start subscribing to new media and, 
when you see that revenue loss at some of these networks, I, I think that that's when you'll see either the networks adopt programs like mine or like yours or whoever's, or their business model will get outdated. I don't know. I, you know. I think the audiences, too, even like that kind of rough and tumble. They don't, they don't want it to be, like, overproduced. They want it to feel, you know, natural, authentic. Don't get me wrong. If Fox News called me up and said, look, you know, we're buying you out. Here's I mean, 20 mil, bro. Yeah, here's 20 million. I will, I, you know, <laughs> look, I, we're all in this business to make money. Yeah. But, you know, I've watched, I've watched, I remember when I first got into radio and some of the paychecks that you'd hear about morning anchors on local yep. stations. We're not talking the, the big, you know, syndicated shows. It was like, oh, my God. And then as the years went on, it was kind of like, you know, DJ salaries almost became like an hourly wage. Yeah. Um, you know, you, you, I, I think that that the, the audience is spreading out. When you only had three channels and three network anchors, right, you were paying for one-third of the market. I think as these networks kind of lose market, I would say it's almost like the brewing companies, right? At first, Sam Adams wasn't really a threat, and then you had all these upstart breweries, and then the big breweries started buying up right. some of these some of these brewing companies to kind of get them out of the way or at least own their market share, that those brewing companies were surviving without the kind of revenue of an Anheuser-Busch. And I think as long as there are people who will survive on the salaries and revenue they drive for their new programs, it will force the networks to rethink their business models. I would argue that Joe Rogan, I think, has a bigger audience than just about anybody. You know, I don't really hear people talk about, did you hear what this host said on this show? But I constantly hear about who Joe Rogan had on. He's always, like, the top of the the uh, Apple podcast chart. And that's why, like, when Lance Armstrong wanted to do an in-depth interview about his steroid use, about everything, that's where he went. He didn't go to a major network. Or um, Barack Obama, when he did that in-depth interview, it was with... Um, Mark Maron. Well, yeah, Mark Maron. So, you know, I know Mark Maron, and that's a whole other subject, like not very successful with liberal talk radio, but he found his niche with this podcast thing. And, like, there's podcasts well, that have way bigger listenership. I can't than, extol the virtues of podcasting from where I sit. Yeah, no, I know. Own. I'm just... Yeah, no, well, Sirius XM is great as well and is also an alternative to, like, the traditional AM, FM thing going on. You know, you've talked about it before, the fact that you're competing in the time slot of Rush Limbaugh says a lot. 11 years and almost 12. Um, this is a good one for you, Andrew, from Marshall Gorley. Um, watching on Facebook Live, we all know that the first term midterm elections are a bad are bad for the president's party. Any predictions about Republican losses? Also, what happened with Jeff Flake? As I remember, he started out as one of the quote good guys. Well, uh, first of all, I think you can be offended at the president's tweets, right? I know plenty of conservatives that don't like it. They think the candor is terrible. They think it, it's a distraction. They they would they wish he would just govern. You know that 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 all that should have been left on the campaign trail and now he should you know be giving up the, I, I get all that I mean even though as somebody who thinks that we kind of if you're gonna have if you're gonna drain the swamp you're gonna have to cause chaos if you're gonna cause chaos you need a chaotic figure right you're not gonna get one without the other that's that's my belief on it Jeff Flake trying to refer to you know normally it's reducto ad Hitlerum right it's like I don't like you you're Hitler to Claim that Donald Trump has any relationship to a man who starved millions of people and what's known now historically as food as a weapon. I, I think this extreme 
comparisons. It's like comparing telling a dirty joke to rape, which is happening with the Me Too movement. That, that some feminists are now starting to worry that 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 trying to put everything in one right, big basket. Yeah, like, he looked at me funny. That's not like rape, you no. know. Yeah, but yeah. but when you put when you start to compare. Donald Trump to Joseph Stalin and Adolf Hitler, you're really downplaying what kind of absolute monsters. Yeah. Um, to be fair, you did compare him to Goebbels. On I did CNN. Uh, because of his <laughs> propaganda. Um, <laughs> as far as the Republican losses, here here's the thing. Uh, you know, could this be a stock market bubble? Yes. Could these bonuses be a one-off thing? But if he gets the economy right. If unemployment stays low, if minority unemployment like unemployment is historic lows, if people are having more money to spend and they're genuinely happy, the Democrats' message having to be something other than that is going to be, well, we want to take this all away from you. I mean, how if they, they can't you can't argue with success. That was why Bill Clinton got reelected, right? The Republicans in 1996 didn't have an argument against what was seen as, it's the economy, stupid, right? Bill Clinton worked with Republicans and got it right on the economy. Um, if Donald Trump gets it right on the economy, what's the argument against it? What, what, is, what is the argument against for the average voter if there's more money in their back pockets, if they have more money to spend, if their 401ks are performing better, if jobs are being created in communities that were once decimated by job loss, now jobs are coming back. I mean, Ram Dodge just announced that the Ram factories are opening back and they're moving their production from Mexico back into the United States. If this trend continues for the next two years, all I would ask anyone from the other side of the aisle is, what's your argument against it? Yeah, I mean, people vote with their pocketbooks at the end of the day. Yeah, although, um, you know, to, to give the other side, as we often do on here, we were talking about the um, the tax cut plan, you know, the um, tax cuts. And you were Supposed saying, like, it hurts cuts. people like you. Hurts people like my parents, and it, which is kind of weird. You Like, I was under, you know, I think people are under the impression that if you're in a higher tax bracket, whether you live in New York or you live in, you know, Louisiana, the Republicans are good for, you know, your paycheck. And, like, uh -huh. people like my parents and are getting absolutely screwed. Which is kind of surprising, right? I think. Look, I still, I, I still advocate for the flat tax. Um, you know, if you want to make it constitutional, equal protection under the law, I agree. We should play, pay a single rate, or the no, fair tax, or the fair yeah. tax, no deductions. I live in New Jersey. You know, I'm one of these people that's gonna, you know, have to deal with the state and local tax deduction. And you're a property it's, owner. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, the I, I guess. Um, and you see the kind of panic, you know, Phil Murphy got inaugurated today. You know, the question is, okay, so what do we Democrats in these high-tax states do? You know, we, you know, it's real easy. It's real easy to virtue signal. Like, Look at us. We're in Massachusetts. We invest in all kinds of these things. Yeah, but now you got to pay for it. So when, when California, New York, New Jersey, and Illinois have to pay for these wildly generous salaries and pensions for their public employees, when they want to brag on their investments in, in, in infrastructure and education, it was real easy so long as everybody was able to write it off. Like, what do you care? Right? You don't want to raise taxes or just write it off. But once you can't write it off, then you gotta, you're going to see you know, what I say publicly and what I do privately. It's kind of like these Hollywood people are like, I live in Malibu, but your production company's in Sun Valley, Idaho. You know? So that's where you're really paying taxes. You're, you're gonna, you're, the question is, what are the blue state voters going to do the next time they can elect a new state government? 
I got to get your opinion before yeah. we get out of here on. Uh, and by the way, I should point out, Andrew just did a three-hour radio show. Then comes I, I, right and here, and, and I'm going over to what time do is your it TV now? show in a bit. Did I did I miss my window to do? Oh boy, um, <laughs> I'm supposed to be over at at at, uh, at um, CRTV right now on their Facebook feed. Damn. All right. Oh, well, shit. let's wrap this up. All then. right. Um, but it's funny. Mike Bins has often said, like, you could wake Andrew out of a deep sleep and be like, Andrew, do a radio show right now. <laughs> and you'd be able to, which I really believe. I was just going to ask real quick then, what's your take on Oprah running for president? I'm sure you have an interesting. All right, real quick, I got to get out of here. They're getting, they're really <laughs> mad at me. Where are you? What, are you close? What <laughs> oh, are you shit. doing? You're supposed to be on Facebook now. Or you, I see you're live on Sofrit, though. <laughs> yeah. uh, Eric, Tell, I'm coming right over. It's a half block away. Tell them you are live on uh, Facebook. I, I am live on Facebook. <laughs> um, the, the thing with Oprah, I think my only question would be, Donald Trump came into an established field of Republicans who'd all lined up their ducks, and he had a, he had a bowl of strike. Is she willing to walk in and do that and bowl a strike and knock Elizabeth Warren out of the way, knock Cory Booker out of the way, knock Kamala Harris out of the way? Because and are they going to let her do it? Are they going to have to come back around and say, you have no experience? You have no idea what you're doing. It would I, I think just like it set off a war in Republican circles, it would set off a war in Democrat circles. And I got to go. All right. I'll let you go. <laughs> and, I'll, and I'll plug everything, Bye, by everybody. the way. Thanks, Andrew, man. Thank Dude, you, man. thanks Come for doing this as always, Andrew. Right, Appreciate it. I, and I will plug everything Andrew's yeah. up to. So check out CRTV.com if you want to become a subscriber. We'll have you on again when you have some more time. When I'm not investing with my new employer. Andrew's show is going to debut this month. So it's CRTV.com. Andrew's website is WillCowMajority.com, at WillCowMajority on Twitter. Uh, that's really funny that we totally <laughs> went into his time there. Um, but I enjoyed that, man. It really, Andrew is, uh, you know, the most high energy guy in the world. Absolutely. Is. He just did a three hour show, ran over here, did this now going over to he, CRTV. He's got the right personality Has three kids, for radio. You know, I, I feel like I'm too boring for, uh, for radio and, uh, and television <laughs> also. I never thought I'd be on TV for that reason. Like who wants to sit there and watch Jack Murphy, like read a book for three hours or something like, you I, know, who's very high energy in your community though. I'd say, I think you already know what I'm going to say. Who? Terry Shepard. Oh, think Terry. Great Terry's great. Part. Yeah. Yeah. He's always extremely high energy. Um, so I guess before uh, we get to the why, the uh, just reads here and wrap everything up. I got plugs. Yeah, do it. Go for it. Tonight, uh, episode three of the Tesla show airs. Nice. Where uh, we went to Serbia, and that'll be pretty interesting. And um, right now, it should be published already. Um, I wrote an article about this movie, 12 Strong, that's coming out, where, where Thor plays a special forces captain. Um, I wrote an article about... I haven't seen the f- movie. Um, I talked to people who have some awareness of it and uh some of the stuff that was going on in the set and anyway so it's like kind of a backgrounder about the film and it, it's i'm kind of notorious for writing like negative film reviews and trashing movies yes i'm are. not i'm not trashing the movie i'm just saying understand what it is and what it isn't when you go and see it and if you read that article it'll give you a little bit of a background on it well said um you said that so that's this movie right Right uh, here that I have a book for, yes. Which we are going to try to get Doug Stanton on. I actually reached out. So. Oh, really? It'll be, be interesting. Uh, he's a writer, so I'll, I'll try. It'll be interesting like, because I'll be the, civil. Guy, the guys tell me that the book is in the movie are both pretty inaccurate. From okay, what their experience was interesting, but we didn't have that conversation, of course. Yeah. Um. So we covered this earlier, but a trillion thoughts asks, and I think this is inaccurate, so we'll correct it. But it says. 
what made you guys bring down the paywall for SoftRep TV? The paywall is not down for SoftRep TV, correct? It's just down for SoftRep. For SoftRep. SoftRep.com. And as for what made it, I think we covered some of that. I don't know if there's anything we... Yeah, I mean, I, I don't... I, I'm an editor and I deal with the content, so I don't know. I can't, like, walk you through the numbers and everything of, like, why, but I think it, it's just about getting more more page views, getting more, page more views. And Craig more Club traffic. is doing very well, so... Yeah, so we're not relying just on SoftRep anymore. We have all these other endeavors. There's a whole constellation um, underneath uh, Hurricane, and SoftRep is one of them. So we're not totally relying on SoftRep subscriptions for um, for revenue. So we're able to kind of open up that door and share our material with a much larger audience now. I see that Andrew's producer wrote, yes, this is Andrew's producer. He's totally late. <laughs> that's funny. <laughs> um, yeah, no, that's great to see. So we have uh, SHOT Show coming up next week. Uh, a bunch is of us it next will be week there. already? Yeah. Holy shit, man. We're a week away, buddy. It's creeping up on me. Um, I'm trying to think if there's anything else that we haven't covered. Um, I think we we got into a lot here. So that's yeah, that's about it, man. Yeah, we have some great people coming on soon. Daniel Bezier will be back in studio, who um, is now full time. There's full time at the site or part time writer. She's full time with us. Yeah, full time yeah. at the site as a writer, and people really enjoyed her um, last time she was on, and, and her loving her articles. Yeah. So. Yeah, no, it's super cool that she's uh, on board now writing for us, and uh, I'm sure it'll be a fun conversation. I dig it, man. All right, well, as a reminder for all those who are listening, for those who are watching the live stream, uh, for a limited time, you can receive a 50% discounted membership to SoftRep TV, our channel that offers the most exclusive shows, documentaries, and interviews covering the most exciting military content today. SoftRep TV's premier show, Training Cell, follows former Special Operations Forces as they participate in the most advanced training in the country, everything from shooting schools, defensive driving, jungle and winter warfare, climbing, and much more. Again, you can watch this content by subscribing to SoftRep TV. That's at softreptv.us. And take advantage of a limited-time offer of 50% off your membership that's only $4.99 a month. And then also, as I was talking about earlier, if you haven't gotten a chance to check out the SoftRep Crate Club, you're definitely going to want to do that ASAP. It's a subscription to get a box of badass tactical and survival gear delivered to your door every month. Here's the kicker. Or all of the gears handpicked and tested by former special ops guys, so you know you're getting quality gear that's going to work when you need it to. Crates we've set in the past have included gear like custom knives, multi-tools, fire starters, EDC med kits, and other kick-ass stuff. You don't just get great gear with your subscription, you're also supporting a veteran-owned and run company. To subscribe and start getting your gear, visit CrateClub.us. We also have gift options available. That's CrateClub.us. And for those of you who are SVP'd, Team Room Party, January 22nd in Las Vegas. We'll be there. I'll be there. Jack will be there. Yep. Um, James Powell, the Odyssean, a bunch of other people. A bunch of p- people from the website will be around. Yeah. No, I'm psyched, man. So I think this was cool. This was a different type of show. You yeah. Know, we're usually special ops news and all that, but Andrew is just not only a friend to the site, but like the guy who introduced me to yeah. everybody. I'm glad we could have Andrew on uh, instead of... Uh us being a guest on his show, he'd be a guest on ours. Yeah. Well, technically, I've, I've never, you know, I'm the guy who answered you the phone there, calls. Yeah. And Brandon just one day texted me. And uh, while I was part-time there, I became full-time around the same time that Brandon texted me and said, do you want to uh, do the podcast with us? And I was like, absolutely, why not? So it's been a blast uh, doing it. I mean, it's been over four years at this point. So it's really all thanks to Andrew Wilkow. Like, if you want to 
look at fate and all that. If I had I not met Andrew, wouldn't have met you guys. Yeah. It just wouldn't have happened. So, um, yeah, it's great. So follow Andrew on Twitter at WillCowMajority, WillCowMajority.com. Uh, follow us on Instagram and Twitter at SoftRepRadio. Please leave a review on Apple Podcasts. That's really what helps us out the most, um, you know, to get our visibility up. And now that everything is free, like, it's all this great content. So just help us get our visibility up and support. There's so much stuff in the archives. Oh, yeah softrep.com there there's some zingers in there there's some good stuff uh you know you go searching around in there um everything i've ever written is on there or everything i've ever written as far as like journalism is on there um and many many other great writers that we've had working for us um so it's exciting that all that stuff is shared with a larger audience now yeah i you know i didn't have time to get into it in the whole intro with andrew because i didn't want to you know waste too much of his time but the thing that i always think of is that I think there's certain investigative pieces you have written in particular that I could very well see being like top of Drudge Report linking to SoftRep. But for the most part, these type of websites don't want to link to a paid right. subscription service. So I think it'll really help us get page views up and get our name out there to bigger outlets. Uh, I'm sure it will. Um, you know, because we were a subscriber service, um, and we, we had this very interesting thing going on and it was a it was a niche and um in some way it was kind of elitist because it's like you have to be a member to read which i I personally liked because you could see the pandemonium on the internet and on social media and how it's like a free-for-all um and the comments section oh my god the comments section don't ever (laughs) read the comments yeah and and i mean look i'm i'll tell you right here on facebook live like I don't read the comments often on our Facebook page. You respond sometimes, though. But uh, sometimes, once in a while. But I I very rarely read them to begin with because most people are just having an emotional sort of, you know, lashing out about a headline or something like that. Um, And I I always liked SoftRep because we had a subscriber service. And, like, the people who were there were people who wanted to be there. And they could disagree with what what's written of course and have that conversation but it wasn't um the sort of like free for all name calling childish nonsense that we see on social media but um nonetheless i mean we it still is that way if you want to leave you have to be a member to leave a comment on the site so for the people who do hang out on the website and enjoy those conversations um it's not going to be that free for all that they find on other yeah. sites and there's other incentives to be a member too you know like the team room party um, hopefully we'll do another one of those next year. Yeah, there's a lot of other functionality on the website. There's people who like the chat functions and all that kind of stuff. So Yeah, very cool. And yeah, I think of like an article, you know, like the Dick Pick Six article. DP6. That probably would have been picked up by other news news agencies. Here's some here's so some, here's some news on, on DP six. Let's hear it. Uh CNN is producing an article on it. Then they've been down in Florida interviewing people. Will you at least get any credit for anything? Probably not. Pro- they're probably Bullshit. gonna claim that they're breaking the story, I'm sure. Um, but yeah, they're, they're following on my heels, I guess. I mean, they were interested in, I don't know how they got a tip about this story to begin with, but they were already attempting to work on the story around the same time that I started working on the mm. story. Okay. Cause I was going to say, I do, you know, and you know this too, I even just see from who follows us on Twitter and stuff. There's plenty of news agencies and, and oh yeah. news, oh, yeah. news hosts and stuff who follow soft rep, who read all of our stuff, watch and there stuff. are outlets um, 
like CNN, honestly. I mean, I don't know what they're going to do. And it's not a criticism of the story they're working on uh, about DP6 and all that, all that good stuff. Um, but CNN has in the past hijacked my work. I mean, there was one woman they had working for them for a while that would read my stories and then she'd just rewrite them in her own words and it'd go up on there. It's like, man, really? Um, who the else? from the Chive. Uh, the Chive. Uh, <laughs> even foreign policy. Um, you know, I did a big story about how technology was impacting espionage and I interviewed a bunch of CIA people and one Mossad, uh, former Mossad officer. And um, like... Two, three weeks later, there's a story on foreign policy about the same subject. Uh, they went and tried to cover Rolling Stone. They took, they wanted to talk to me about the Wayne Simmons story, and I refused as, because I don't talk to Rolling Stone as just a matter of principle. And um, they like basically rewrote my story, and they even used the same pictures. It was pretty incredible. Wow. All right. Well, thanks as always for tuning in, guys. Uh, Andrew, entertaining as always. Um, you know, and I know tomorrow he's off to Disney World of all places. The guy's busy, man. Yeah, he is. Like I, I I'm single and don't have kids, so I don't <laughs> know that whole life. But I'm sure, like you having one kid is a lot to manage. Yes, I can't imagine is. having three. And immediately when I saw him, he was like, "Paul is not falling asleep." You know, so he's just telling me like all the stuff that he's up to. Um, but thanks again to him for coming on. Um, leave us a review, and uh, I think we're out. That's it. See you next time. Appreciate it. You've been listening to Soft Rep Radio. New episodes up every Wednesday and Friday. For all of the great content from our veteran journalists, join us and become a Team Room member today at softrep.com. Follow the show on Instagram and Twitter at Soft Rep Radio. And be sure to also check out the Power of Thought podcast, hosted by Hurricane Group CEO and Navy SEAL sniper instructor, Brandon Webb.